Hello, everybody. So I haven't done a podcast in a while now, but I wanted to go ahead and do one today. I have been reading some pretty interesting information about nutrition, and this specifically goes into detail about the food manufacturers and how they create food for consumers. And not only how they create food and different types of products, but the clinical research that goes into not only marketing the new products, but also how to get you hooked and how to get you to buy and how to get you to want to buy again. And it's been pretty interesting. The two books that I'm reading right now are The End of Overeating by David Kessler and Salt, Sugar, Fat by Michael Moss, both of which are pretty close together when it talks about the food manufacturers, the chemists, the, the theories that they, that they put into computer systems and the testing. And one thing that I have always told people is that the way that food manufacturers market their items is to portray the health benefits. And this has been a growing trend in recent years because when food companies started coming out with breakfast cereals and all of the different types that there are, they were marketing them as the healthy alternative to the bacon, the sausage, the eggs that people were consuming for breakfast. And what it turned out to be was basically dessert for breakfast. And it's a lot easier to pull, to pour a bowl of cereal than it is to actually make breakfast. And they caught on to this convenience factor and they were marketing cereals to kids and adults who wanted the convenience of opening up a box and pouring a bowl of cereal and What it turned out is these cereals have almost 50% sugar in them. And by marketing these cereals as a health food, they're undermining the fact that there's so much sugar in the cereals that it led to increased tooth decay. It led to behavioral problems in kids. And it also led to a lot of childhood obesity and whenever we saw that trend coming up. And so I think now the trend is a little bit more, most people know that breakfast cereals have a lot of sugar in them, but there's other products that are out there on the market that most people don't think about when it comes to the health benefits versus the amount of sugar that are in these products. For example, I was having a conversation with one of my clients the other day about orange juice. And she said, well, I always have a glass of orange juice for breakfast because that's where I get my vitamin C from. And what I had to tell her is you have to outweigh the positive and the negative. Because if you look at orange juice... While it has a lot of vitamin C in it, you have to look at the amount of sugar. And when you're talking about 
the amount of sugar that is in the orange juice and the amount of orange juice you have to drink to get that vitamin C, you're outweighing all the positive. And a better alternative is to just have an orange because at that point you're getting the vitamin C, you're not getting any added sugar, and plus you're getting all the fiber that has been stripped out when the companies make the orange juice and strain all the pulp out of it. And it really opened her eyes because she didn't think about, oh, well, I guess that is true. I might as well just eat an orange because that doesn't have, it hasn't been through the processing that the orange juice has. And it's little things like that that I can say to clients to remind them and say, well, wait, really think about it. Because when it comes to breakfast cereals, well, cereal is better than, say, a Pop-Tart or one of these frozen breakfast concoctions that you see in the, in the frozen department. And the fact is, is that there are healthy cereals out there, just like there are healthy alternatives to make breakfast more convenient. But you have to look at the nutrition labels and you have to examine exactly what you're eating before you just believe the label that's on the front of the box because that's that's what food manufacturers and marketers, that's what they want you to see. They don't necessarily want you to turn the box around and look at the nutrition facts. So there is positive in being educated about the tricks and the marketing that that goes into these items to get you to want more of what you buy. And I was talking the other day about what chemists call the bliss point. And this is described in both of the books that I was talking about. The chemists who come up with these foods are not only trying to make them the most convenient for you, they're also trying to make them to make you want to eat more than you necessarily should. Now, they don't come out and say this, of course, but what happens is whenever they're developing foods, they have taste testers, which we all know about, but what they're doing when they sit these people down is they're trying to discover what is called the bliss point. The bliss point is the right sweetness in the food that is not too sweet, but it's not unsweet to the point where it doesn't meet your taste bliss point. That point of satisfaction that keeps you wanting more. And so they've discovered that for different types of foods, there is a bliss point. And so they try to reach that. And for example, in one of the books, it describes the author who was a part of these taste tests. And when he went in and he actually tried products that were unsweetened, they didn't have salt, they didn't have the fat component in it. Most of these products taste pretty much like cardboard. And they add sugar and all of a sudden, it has this flavor that everybody is come to be used to. Uh, Cheez-Its, for example, without the salt, 
he said, tastes like styrofoam. So we all have to think about exactly what are these food manufacturers putting into the food to make it palatable. The salt, the sugar, the fat that makes it taste so good. And when you really sit down and realize that these foods have gone through years and years of chemical testing to get you to not only eat it, but want more of it and more of it and more of it, you have to think at some point to yourself, do I like this because it's good and good for me? Or do I like this because somebody has manipulated the chemical structure of it to make me come back wanting more? And that's the interesting thing that I'm finding in these books is not only because it's it's obvious that food manufacturers are going to want to put out food that tastes good. That's the obvious. But the painstaking testing that they go through to not only make you want to like it, but to overeat it and then come back and buy more and eat more of it. They have data protocols in order to get people to be doing this. And that's where I find that everyone wonders, why am I overweight? Why am I not losing weight? Why can't I just stop eating XYZ? Well, the reason why you can't is because it's designed to make you want to eat more. And it's marketed in a way that makes you believe I have to have a glass of orange juice every day for breakfast. But you don't necessarily think I have to have one orange every day for breakfast. No one ever says that. It's the glass of orange juice because that's how it's marketed. That's how it's sold to consumers. So what I've done with reading these two books is I've been trying to put little snippets and really try to get people engaged with the entire process that comes up when people are designing food for consumers to not only eat, but to keep coming back for more. And what I'm seeing is, and just in talking with people, oh, these things at the grocery store, they are so good. I just can't get enough of them. Lay's potato chips. The amount of chemicals that are in Lay's potato chips, the specific combination of salt and fat and the way that it crisps is specifically designed so that you can't just eat one or one bag. You eat the whole thing and then go out and buy more. So when you really dive into it and you think, why can't I just put this down? Why can't I just, you know, stop eating this? Well, because it's not designed that way. It's designed to get you to buy more. So the interesting point that comes out of all of this is, and the point that the authors, both authors try to make is, not that they're trying to point fingers at food manufacturers because that's they are in business. They are in business to create and sell products. And none of the authors are going after them for doing that. But the reason why they wrote these books is because they want consumers to know what 
what they're in for. And whenever they walk through the aisles of a grocery store, everything is placed and strategically labeled and the colors of the boxes and everything that you see is manipulated to get you to buy it and to not only buy it initially, but to buy it again. And once people have an awareness of the fact that all of this is manipulated, then it's completely understandable to answer the question, I just can't seem to put this down. And so the eye-opener, at least to me, is just how much goes in to, to all of this. And if you look at a grocery store, the two aisles that they have that sell all natural bulk items is so small and not very colorful. And most people bypass the entire area, maybe because they don't understand what, what is down the aisles, maybe because they're not naturally drawn to it. But if you walk through the cereal aisle, it's, it's kind of like walking through a corridor of color and characters. And any kid would, would think it's the magical tunnel to breakfast. And so what we need to do is we need to realize that the whole process is designed to do this. And do you avoid it? No. Uh, do, do I serve my kids cereal? Yeah, I do. Um, is it convenient? Yes, it is. But at the same time, I do also know that these items are marketed toward convenience, definitely marketed towards kids. And there is a point where you do have to be realistic about things because there is truth to the fact of everything in moderation. And People need to know that sweet cereals or sweet granola bars or anything like that is fine in moderation, but when you walk in and you purchase something thinking that it's healthier than something else, just take a second look at it. And just like the orange compared to the orange juice, I have to have a glass of orange juice every morning. Well, why not have one orange? Or instead of your kid having apple juice, give them an apple. And it's little changes like that. It's just recognizing the fact that there are differences in different products that are out there. That is really the key to expand your knowledge when it comes to nutrition. And I have these conversations with clients. And the thing is, is that I almost think that everybody knows it. But the truth is, a lot of people don't realize just how expansive the grocery store is and how many products are out there. And when you walk through the store and you see something new and different or something catches your eye, it's not necessarily because you just noticed it. It's because it was designed to do that. And food manufacturers, they 
they change the design of their products ever so slightly to get your eye to notice it and to possibly purchase it for the first time or purchase it again if you haven't had it in a long time. So when it comes to anything nutrition, you just have to think. And a lot of times when it comes down to it, most people say, well, I read all of the nutrition labels. And and that's great because most people don't. But whenever you're reading the nutrition labels, are you actually comparing it to something similar? And that's when you actually see the difference because a lot of people can flip the box over and read the nutrition label and say, well, this looks healthy. But when asked, what exactly about that nutrition label is healthy? They can't answer that. And that's where the trick in educating clients comes in, is showing people the differences and comparing products and comparing the nutrition value of things that you find on the, on the shelf and their alternatives, because a lot of times there are alternatives. And most people don't realize that the alternative that is not highly marketed, just like you see more commercials for orange juice than you see for oranges, It's not marketed that way because people are under the assumption that what is on the TV is, well, that's healthy. Just like they read the front of the box and it says enriched with vitamin C and B vitamins and this, that, and the other. But whenever you turn the label around, yeah, the the amount of vitamins in it is really good. And then the second ingredient is sugar. So the, the sugar is outweighing the benefits of any of the vitamins in the product. So taking a nutrition label and comparing it to the alternative, that's a good rule to follow when it comes to choosing and picking things that you see on the shelf. Another thing that comes to mind is when you're looking at items and you see the sugar content and you see the percentage, you also have to factor in that a lot of times that doesn't include the high fructose corn syrup that's in the products. And I just recently, the cereal that I eat, even though it's a whole grain, whole brand cereal, I had to double check it to see if it actually had high fructose corn syrup in it because that's not included on the sugars on the label. The sugar on the labels is only the amount of added sugar, but when the product is made with a high fructose corn syrup or cane sugar or any of the others, that doesn't necessarily count towards the sugar content. And so you have to read the ingredients. And another thing about reading the ingredients is just because the box says whole grain, if that is anything below the fifth listed ingredient, then the amount of whole grain that's actually in it is minuscule. So, and that's another thing to consider. And this is why I help people read nutrition labels. I I have a lot of people who say, well, I read the nutrition label and the first ingredient is whole grain. Okay, but what's the second ingredient? Molasses? Oh, yeah. Well, molasses is pure sugar. Oh, And so that's another eye-opener. And what I do with clients is I I break down for them. And it's a lot to learn 
to go to the store and actually read all of the nutrition labels. But there are a few keywords that you can always look for to spot something that's high in sugar. And the basic rule of thumb that I use is that if you're looking at the first five ingredients on a nutrition label, that is 95% of what is in the product. So if you see sugar or anything related to sugar listed in one of those first five, then a lot of that product is sugar-based. And another thing is the labels that are on the outside, like I said, made with whole grain. Well, they can say that, but they can also say that if they're only adding 0.05% of whole grain. And that's another thing that you have to look at on the label in the first five ingredients is to make sure that the whole grain is listed in those first five. And it, it gets a little tricky when it comes to going shopping. And a lot of this research, I tell my clients, do it online because that's going to save you time in the grocery store. A lot of people go into the grocery store and they want to read all the labels They want to be smart about the choices that they're making. Halfway through the store, they end up getting frustrated because it's crowded. It's a Saturday at 2 p.m. It's raining cold or hot. And they give up and they just buy their normal stuff and then they're done with it. And so instead of having to do it all at one time, just go online and research the different types of ingredients or go through your own pantry and look at what you have read the ingredients of those and say, what is the comparable to this? What does the comparable have? And do that research online. Use the online resources that they provide and take that comparable. That way, when you do go to the grocery store, you're not standing around in the aisles reading nutrition labels. So that's one tip. Do your research beforehand. Look at the first five ingredients because that's really what's going to tell you what is in the products. Number three, when you do go to the store, realize that the amount of time and effort and testing that is put into these products are specifically designed to get you hooked. And that is no joke. We are addicted to sugar. And we don't even realize just how addicted we are to sugar because We see all of the commercials, all of the labels made with whole grain. Well, that's great. But we forget about how much sugar is in it. Got to have that glass of orange juice. Well, what about the orange? So what I like to do with my clients is I like to present these things to them. And I, I like to use the comparables. And I like to say, well, hey, well, how about this? Because that gets them to think. And if I can get a client to think about what they're eating and maybe a comparable item to help them eat a little bit better, then I've done my job. Just to get somebody to think about what they're putting in their body, how it affects them, and how healthy something is compared to another item. I'm not saying don't ever drink orange juice. But what I am saying is consider the alternative because the alternative is probably healthier. Just like whenever you see a box of cereal that says 
made with whole grain. How much whole grain? Versus how much sugar? Because if it's not listed in the top five ingredients, then just because it's made with it doesn't mean it has a whole heck of a lot in it. So, and that's what I try to get my clients to do is just to think. And if you want further help with it, my email is lisajoannefitness at gmail.com. So give me an email. I am going to start working on podcasts more and more, and I'll have some more out. And if there are any requests that you want me to talk about, maybe a Q&A, just let me know, and we will do that. I appreciate your time today, and I hope you have a good one.